Hey ADHDers, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and today on the podcast, I have a special treat for you guys. (laughs) But to learn about that special treat, you're going to have to stick around to the end of this episode because I have a special coupon code for the upcoming Executive Dysfunction webinar this weekend, August 6th through 8th. And to talk more about that with me today is my special guest, Sheila Henson, who I am running the webinar with. We really enjoyed recording this episode for you guys, and unfortunately, two ADHDers getting together talking, uh, we did not hit the 30 to 40 minutes that I was hoping, so it is a little bit of a longer episode, uh, so like I'm about to say at the start of our podcast recording, you know, hit two times speed if you need to, but stick around for that ending coupon code for this weekend's webinar. So thanks for coming on to the podcast, Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Thanks for having me. So uh, for those of you listening at home, this is Coach Sheila Henson, uh, my friend and webinar buddy slash fidgeteer co-founder. So thanks for coming on. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk today about executive dysfunction, because that's actually what our upcoming webinar is about. So first, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Sheila's experience with executive dysfunction. For those of you that listened last week, uh, you heard my experiences with it. Um, so we'll, we'll dive a little bit further in and get some more personal experiences in our chat today and talk about some of the ways that, you know, we've had to really shame around executive dysfunction, ways that executive dysfunction has impacted our relationships, the way emotional uh, regulation has impacted our lives, uh, because that's one of our executive functions too. Um, But as usual, keep it very ADHD friendly, not going over that 30 to 40 minute mark. So, you know, put it on two times speed if you need to, but going to have a good chat today. So I'll take it over to you for a little bit here, Sheila. What, uh, what experiences has executive dysfunction had to impact your life? Oh my God. Like everything that's ever (laughs) happened to me has been, I mean, executive functions cover so much, right. From like our memory to our flexible thinking, to how we self-monitor planning and prioritizing, you know, task initiation. Definitely when I was younger, the biggest uh, issue for me was organization and, um, like keeping and like in task initiation in the sense that like I had trouble cleaning my room or, um, getting my homework turned in. I was always in trouble for like messy desk, messy room, uh, things like that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was a big thing, especially because my mom has that kind of ADHD where she is just, I don't think she has really uh, any like task initiation issues. It's all hyperactivity. Like she just is cleaning 24 seven as like a coping strategy for her anxiety basically. Uh-huh. Uh, and so like I, it, we just clashed. It was really, I feel, I feel bad for her and for my child self. Like it was just a bad situation all around. Um, I could not clean anything properly. Um, And so like that, when I was younger, that was definitely the one that affected me the most. And then as I got older and was in college or work and stuff like that, it was like, and trying to manage time, like not be late, actually show up, not get distracted, uh, actually wake up to my alarm. Like I definitely got into one of those uh, cycles where my brain just registered that my alarm is like nothing, like, please ignore, like carry on <laughs> with whatever you're doing. And I had to like re-Pavlov myself to start um, paying attention to alarms again, you know, stuff like that. Um, but then in my, you know, adult career life or whatever, whatever my thirties are, um, like it's definitely like task initiation is still an issue as far as um, getting started on things that are not preferred. Like I still hate cleaning my room. I have structures now that make it so it's easier for me. And I, I don't have a super messy room like I did when I was a kid, unless maybe I had a bad week. And then I let that go. I just, I've learned to let those things go. The things that cost me so many spoons that cost me so much push. Um, yeah. I've learned to just be like, okay, this week, like I have this many things to get done. I have this much energy and stamina. Like yeah. when some things can be sort of just left and I have faith in myself now 
that I will get it done later yeah. when I feel better, right? Versus when I was younger, it just turned it would turn into like a shame spiral. Oh my God, my room's clean. I have a term paper due or whatever. And my room's messy and I have a term paper due. And like, I'm just a failure. I can't do anything. Right? Like just going into those spirals um, versus like, oh, I have executive dysfunction. I have limited stamina for various reasons between ADHD and like chronic pain and things like that. Um, and I, it's okay if not everything gets done. Like, yeah, you don't have to do My worth is not determined by my productivity. Right. Yes. And, thank you. Yeah. I can, be, <laughs> I can be kind to myself and say, okay, if I have, you know, about enough energy to clean for 30 minutes, I'm going to spend that on the living room. Cause that's a shared space. That's a, you know, a space where I might have company and that's a safe space for me. I can sit in my living room and relax and not look at clutter. Cause it does stress me out, even though it's hard to clean up. Right. That's like the, yeah horrible cycle that we have, um, where we can't think straight in with all the clutter. And also like we, we need to see everything and also we don't want to clean it up. Right. So there's this, yeah. um, <laughs> this trap that we end up in. Um, well, that's what, uh, that's what I started thinking about when you were talking about the situation with your mom and you as a kid, that was my situation with my dad, but my dad created just as much chaos as I did. Um, but he had no problem walking through the chaos that he created. But if he saw mine in my space, he lost it. Like it was emotional dysregulation out the wazoo, lots of yelling back and forth about the mess and, you know, well, your room looks just as bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. I used to say things like that to my dad. He would get furious. And I think it's that. <laughs> It, it's yeah, same. My dad is an inattentive like me for sure, but he has my mom to clean up after him. So lucky him, right? Like, um, <laughs> I, I don't have that. Uh, and so like, yeah, definitely. Wait, where was I going to go with that? I was going somewhere. Oh, I think that this is really a thing. A lot of, because ADHD is, uh, is genetic, you know, it, it's hereditary. And I think there are a lot of ADHD parents who were shamed for their issues, yep. developed like an internalized ableism, like all of this shame. And then when their kids had the same issues, they just vomited all of that shame and ableism like onto their kids unintentionally, yeah. right? Like these are, many of these are loving and caring parents and all that. My parents are wonderful human beings and also totally mismanaged my ADHD. Like they didn't know what to do with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and it And it caused me what I would consider trauma to a certain extent where, um, I still, you know, it took me so many years to be able to clean without feeling shame, <laughs> like I was doing it wrong or something like that. Um, yeah. or that like, I wasn't enough. I wasn't, I, I am a slob, like these like things in my head. My mom used to go through my room and consistently go be, and be like, this is a fire hazard. This is a fire <laughs> hazard. And I'm just like imagining like my house going up in smoke because I'm a mess, you know, like, because I have clothes on the floor or whatever. Um, you know, like a lot of, uh, of pressure. And I think that, um, yeah, a lot of the, the pressure that neurodivergence feel um, is like from neurotypical society, but a lot of the time it's being enforced by other neurodivergents, you know, in the same yeah. way that so often, uh, misogyny is reinforced by women. Right. Or like, yeah. um, it's like we, we, the, you know, victims of oppression, I guess, take, when you really internalize that, then you also become an oppressor, which is, uh, is unfortunate without that self, um, awareness. It yeah. was just so exciting about this whole like neurodivergent revolution that seems to be happening, um, at least in the US and Canada and stuff like, uh, and, and the UK for sure. Like um, people under, people becoming self-aware of, oh, this is why I do this. And it's not my yeah. fault because I'm a bad person. It's not because I'm innately flawed. It just, my brain works differently and nobody got it, you know? Yeah. I'm excited for the, the children of that generation. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm seeing it with uh, my partner's daughter, you know, I, I help him with parenting her and we've changed the way we parent based on like that recognition of the shame. Um, and we've talked about how like we were walking the one day and she wanted to pick up a stick. Like the stick wasn't hurting either of us. It wasn't hurting her. Like she just wanted to pick up a stick that's something he would have done as a kid. That's something I would have done as a kid. Cause I was hyperactive as well. And, you know, right away the, that internalized shame and ableism made him just go, put it down, stop it. Don't pick up the stick. <laughs> and I turned to him and I said, you know, 
is it hurting anyone? Like picking up the stick. Would you have wanted to pick up the stick as a kid? And he was like, I don't like when you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And that moment though, that really shifted a lot for us. Um, just in the way that like we communicate, you know, she's very aware of the aspects of her ADHD, like, you know, having an ADHD coach in the house helps with that. (laughs) And I I love it because she just wrote a story about like, you know, I, I, I am an ADHDer and I am very creative and I'm weird and that's awesome. Yes. And I love that because that was one of those things that like, you know, weird was not a good and accepted thing when I was a kid. And I mean, I didn't know I had ADHD at the time either, but releasing that shame and not having that label be something that is so shameful like at her age I think is going to help her tremendously in this lifetime for her and like I wish that we all had that opportunity but the best we can do is help the generation that's growing up now yeah 100 percent yeah and recognizing those scripts like it's so funny that yeah you had that in put it down. Wait, why, why would I say that? Cause I've heard yeah. it. Like that's how human brains work. Right. Like we just kind of are rolling with, no, that's, it's how it should be done. That's how it's, that's how it's done. And why, why, like some things have great reasons why we should do them. Like don't run in the street without looking both ways. That's, that's a good, that's a good thing to continue, but yeah, like, but why yeah. not uh, pick up sticks? Why not? Uh, so much leaf tearing in ADHD, you know, just so much time <laughs> tearing up leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, the amount of fidgeting with like grass just sitting out in the backyard just picking at grass yep <laughs> that's all of my memories of like PE class were just me playing with grass and plants like I'm like were people playing sports around me like, I don't know <laughs> I would assume so um yeah that's where I was grateful not to have PE in high school because I went to a performing arts high school so like the creative side was the focus and even our uh gym classes if you will were like yoga master classes and dance master classes so that was I I wish that we would have that option in you know just regular public education yeah it would help so many yeah I just went down the hole of like all the things wrong with public education. <laughs> we do a whole nother episode on that. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so kind of bringing it back to that executive dysfunction. Um, you know, I think that releasing of shame is a huge part of how you start to overcome those challenges. And I know that's something that we talk about a lot in day one of our webinar. Um Something that, you know, we might need to do a follow-up webinar on is just the impact of executive dysfunction in relationships because, oh boy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I do have an ADHD in relationships class in January, but it's not executive function like based. It's actually, I think a lot, the curriculum I have is a lot more emotional regulation and the communication based, but it would be, yeah, I bet we could do something like that. Cause it really does affect relationships in so many ways. Like, um, one of the things I see with a lot of my clients who are in like heterosexual marriages or, or coupling long-term couples, um, is the sort of like, um, patriarchal system of the house where your husband goes to work wife stays home and cleans mm-hmm. and then when the you know then I have but these are people who are uh trying to break out of boxes they're ADHDers they think outside the box they're not trying to be in this uh stuck in this cycle whatever so like some of the the men that are husbands want to be the the husband that helps with the chores and changes diapers and like does those those things right he wants to be a, a good husband with especially if both of them have jobs right like equal division of labor is like something that these men are aspiring to and yet have no idea like how to do it and if they have ADHD they have this executive dysfunction then 
it, they feel like, oh, this looks like misogyny. Like this looks like I'm <laughs> expecting her. Like it's, it looks like I'm expecting my wife to do all of these things. And that makes me feel extra bad. So now I have more shame, which makes it even harder to do things. Um, yeah. and, now, and now my wife's mad, right? Like, um, and I'm, I know I'm not pulling my weight and I feel terrible about this. Um, and then on the, you know, on the wife side, if the wife is the one with ADHD and in one of, stuck in those roles, domestic chores like domestic tasks don't usually aren't usually an ADHD or strength right every once in a while that there's yeah. an ADHD or who that's their special interest is just cleaning and organizing and good for them for the most part that's not the traditional ADHD or uh, success area of yeah. success right usually that's our biggest struggle and so if your entire life is based on domestic tasks and that's something that you are not good at, that you struggle with your executive functions to get done, to do well, you are going to spend your whole life feeling pretty incompetent, Yeah, right? You do not have a place, like a lot of, like, for myself, chores are not my forte, but, and so I, I feel not so great about myself when I'm dealing with my house, but I know I can go to work and I am really, I'm actually very good at my job. So I can actually feel good about myself and feel confident and competent because I have this thing. Um, yeah. And I see a lot of uh, women with ADHD who are working and then have a baby and have to stay home. Mm -hmm. And now they're in charge of the house more their husband's like oh well, you're home all day so you should be doing more of these chores and they're like i suck at this i was really good at my job which i now don't have this outlet for my you know a place where i feel competent and so like and then they become depressed you know yeah um and so a lot of this like misunderstanding about uh executive function specifically like task initiation and organizing and things like that um can create a lot of conflict, like internal and external in relationships. Right. Yeah. Um, and then that shame that builds up, builds a wall between the two people, builds a wall, um, between the person and, and getting things done too, you know? So that's, I work on with my clients a lot on communicating about that because it's amazing how much help just naming it can be. As yeah. opposed to, well, I came home after eight hours of work and the dishes are dirty and this is here and you're sitting on the couch, you know, like what's, you're lazy. And yeah. then that you be just being able to say, oh no, I'm actually not lazy. This is executive dysfunction. Uh, I totally understand your frustration. I wish I could have gotten more done. I didn't. Like, what can we do instead? Yeah. Do I get a second job and we hire a maid? do I like, you know, like what, what can we do? How can, how can I be supported with this? Can I um, do a trade with one of my friends where I watch her kid and she helps me clean my house? Can I, you know, starting to get the community involved and, and like turning yeah. it into problem solving mode as opposed to blaming because blaming doesn't get us anywhere, right? You need yeah. to try harder. You need to do more. Oh yeah, I will try harder. I will do more. And every day still can't do it because that's executive dysfunction it has nothing to do with trying. Yeah. Right. And so, and then people feel like they're being lied to or, oh, you don't respect me because you keep telling me you're going to do better. And then you don't do better. And like, my last relationship. <laughs> and you're like, this has nothing to do with how much I care about or respect you. This is literally, I do not have this skill set. Yeah. Like I cannot do this. There, there's a part of my brain that does not have the ability to do what you're asking me to do. And yeah. it's a big difference once you recognize that also so that you can be honest and not make promises you can't keep. Yeah. I would never tell my partner, I'm going to keep our bedroom clean and tidy. Like, why would I, that is not true. <laughs> like it's, it's not possible. Yeah. Before to made, like that's not going to happen, you know? Yeah. And that's the, that's the changeover in my current relationship. Cause I was undiagnosed in my past relationship and we had that constant like cycle of him just yelling at me for things, not getting done and me promising I'll do better. I'll do better. And I maybe did better for a week or two and then stopped. And then would get the, the shame cycle from that, you know, oh, well, you were doing it. So you clearly can do it. Why aren't you doing it now? Like you don't care enough. You only care when I yell at you. Um, that was, that was the constant cycle. And like that being undiagnosed, I had no idea why I couldn't do it. You know, a big chunk of it. I thought, okay, well, I am a spoonie. Like I've got a lot of chronic health problems. Like maybe that's it. But even that there wasn't 
the level of understanding because of that inconsistency, because I could do it sometimes, but I could do it when the adrenaline and cortisol were high enough to really push my stress and anxiety from all of the screaming and yelling that was going on to just get it done. And that wasn't healthy. That just made me sicker. Right. And, you know, not having that be part of what I use to help motivate me to clean now, like has made me so much healthier in so many ways. Um, and my current relationship is very different. Like we communicate, especially when we're not able to do the thing. Yes. That makes a huge difference. I think, uh, yeah, that's, I, I made a TikTok about how, like I used to my life was, I was literally running on anxiety and self-hatred. And that's the only thing that would motivate me to get anything done. And then of course you burn out, you get sick, you know, over it, that can work in the moment, but Mm -hmm. over time it makes things worse. And that's something it's hard for parents to understand because they're like, my kid only does things if I'm really hard on them. So I have to keep being really hard on them. And you're like, no, 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 you're doing damage. You don't know you're doing like, and I understand those parents don't have other tools. They don't really understand what's going on. But if, you know, if punishment and reward is not working for your kid, you've got to look at other tools. Don't go harsher on the punishment. Like you, you know, um, that means that that kid has a skills deficit, you know, like uh, Ross W. Green, kids do well if they can. And I think people do well if they can, you know? Um, And so we have that, that skills deficit, I think. Um, And, and I, I, but yeah, I posted the TikTok saying I used to run on, on uh, anxiety and self-hatred and someone uh, commented, wait, what do you run on now? Like, like, like there's an other option. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like I run on uh, confidence like me feeling confident and competent makes me very willing and able to get up and do something. Yeah. I work on um, care for myself and my home that I, 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 I love myself. I love my home. I want them to be nice and taken care of. And yeah. so I feel I will take care of those things for those reasons. And I run on joy and interest, you know, if something's exciting to me or, or makes me happy, I do that. Um, and I, and a lot of um, self-forgiveness and patience with myself, you know, and, and like I said, just, knowing when to let things go. Things do not have to be perfect. Everything does not need to get done. If I do nothing and I stay in bed all day, I am worth an equal amount to if I went and worked for nine hours. I don't work when I'm sick anymore. You know, I mean, migraines aren't going to be helped. (laughs) I would never have a job if I could, you know, but if I have a cold or a flu or whatever, like I take the day off and I feel good about that. Like all of these, these changes that I've been able to make by just recognizing, oh, this is what's happening to my brain. This is what my brain needs. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's a long road. Like it doesn't, it's not like a switch that flips and you're like, oh, I got diagnosed. Cool. Now I can do everything and I feel fine. Like it's a, it's a long process that I'm still, still working through to some extent, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, just because we're ADHD coaches and like, we know the skills and strategies doesn't mean that we don't have ADHD, that it's not going to be a battle in our brain, just like everybody else who's trying to implement these things. Like, and I think that's what makes us good at our job too, is like, we get it. We understand that, you know, this thing is painful. Like it hurts to sit in that overwhelm. It hurts to sit in those shame spirals. Like the, the amount of times, like I have been emotionally dysregulated because of a shame spiral. Like I, if I had a dollar for every time I would be a billionaire, like, yeah. It's just, you know, that was, that was my motivation, just like you, the the anxiety and everything was okay. That's how I'm going to get it done. Yeah. And it just made it worse. It never made it better. Yeah. Yeah. Works in the moment, but in the long run, it was a lot more harmful for both like me mentally and emotionally and especially physically. My body has paid a big price for using that as a tool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did you read when the body says no? No. Um, we had just talked about that in our live and I have it written down on my post-it that's actually right in front of me as one of the things that like when I get time to read another book outside of ADHD books, like yeah. that's one that I need to read. Yeah. I think it's, it's relevant to a lot of ADHDers because it's talks about how um, people pleasing 
and like being nice, right? Like the dangers of being nice, being kind, being generous is great. Being kind is inauthentic and unhelpful essentially like in the long run, right? Like it's harmful. Um, And so like, uh, yeah, it's like, why does everyone with uh, chronic uh, illness and cancer, like, why are they all so nice? And it's like, oh, the nice actually can make you sick like by denying your own needs and and being inauthentic consistently like you create sickness in your body it's crazy it's Gabor Mate and he also just did some a little documentary on trauma that someone sent me and I um I posted the link to it on my TikTok but I didn't get a chance to go and watch it yet uh my executive dysfunction has been a bit rough this week actually <laughs> but, but that's some I, I think that it's really when we're talking about executive function we're talking about, you know, using that prefrontal cortex and mm-hmm. all people, not just ADHDers, but all people lose their ability, um, you know, their, their prefrontal cortex abilities when they're overly stressed or, um, you know, even sometimes too excited, but like angry and being angry at yourself is just as dysregulating as being angry at other people, you know, yeah, um, or holding in that anger and stuff like that. So I think that you can't really separate stress and trauma from executive function um and like that has to be kind of the it doesn't have to be the first effort you know it's i think it's great if that's the first avenue you can tackle but sometimes it's impossible because a you don't have like access to that the right therapy or the right information or um you know you maybe have to work to um jobs and you don't have time to really like dive into your trauma you just need those tips and tricks like quickly you know to like get through the day um that's what we do right like we're gonna get you through the day and we're gonna let you know like hey here are some pathways to take with your therapist um and like but I think if you can do both if you can have the therapist where you're really deep diving into the trauma and the shame any like self-hatred internalized ableism and you can be doing that you know, on the deep end with the therapist while we're working on the practical day to day. And uh, I help a lot of my clients do their therapy homework, you know, like get that stuff done. Um, Like that's really the best way to tackle executive dysfunction because it's not just, uh, it's not just the tips and tricks. Like it's really, this is like something inside of us that like we don't have access to all of our our, uh, skills. Yeah. Well, and I had talked about how like managing the household was a really difficult thing for me before in my past relationship. And part of it was because of that constant trauma cycle. And the interesting thing was before I was diagnosed, but at the end of that relationship, um, people in my life noticed how much cleaner my house was and, you know, just how much happier I seemed in general. And, you know, I was working on the trauma side of things and like working through PTSD and all that with my therapist, but I did not have an ADHD diagnosis yet. So I didn't have those other skill sets that, and strategies that, you know, I now have in my tool belt, but just eliminating those stressors changed everything so much. And then once I had kind of realized, okay, this, this is having a big impact on things and then got the diagnosis. Like, I mean, it's changed even more. So yeah, I, has a huge impact that stress is. And, um, you know, that's why like mindfulness and meditation, like I always thought there were these hokey things, you know, I, I can't sit still, I can't clear my mind. And that's not like what they're about. Um, and I'm actually creating a course for ADHDers to learn about these things because it was something I had like massive misconceptions on and like thought that, no, I can't do it because I can't sit still. And like, that has nothing to do with it in. Yeah. My favorite mindfulness practice is making up songs about what I'm doing. So (laughs) I love it. That's the kind of mindfulness that I like. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can incorporate it. Like even just when you go to eat, like before you eat the food that's in front of you, like just kind of noticing the colors and the textures and the smells, like that's practicing mindfulness. It's just being in that present moment. Um, I recommend if you have ARFID not to do that one, because I can, even if it was my favorite (laughs) thought about the district, (laughs) I'd probably be like, oh no, no, I can't put this in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Good point. 
but for other people, it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, a simple example of one of the ways you can do it. You know, you can do the same thing, just going and sitting in your backyard for a minute, like feeling the grass under your feet, smelling the smells that are out in the air. Barefoot walks is one of my favorite mindfulness activities. I live down the street from a park, um, and I walk barefoot just down to the park and then onto the grass and do a little circle and walk back whenever like between clients sometimes or if I'm just feeling overwhelmed it totally like takes me out of my head it's really good my uh my parents made fun of me as a kid because I always wanted to run around barefoot like I mean it did not matter if it was running on the hot pavement or in the grass like I just wanted to be barefoot and we had lived in Maryland for like a year And they thought that's what did it because all the kids over there like ran around like that. And then when we moved back up to Pennsylvania, um, you know, I continued to do so because I had learned from them. Yes. But also learned from myself that like this felt good. I like to be barefoot. Um, So it was just, it was just funny that like, that was one of those things that I was so connected as a kid and then lost that because of the, that's not how things are supposed to be done. Um, and found that more recently again, that, you know, just going out back without shoes on, like there's nothing wrong with doing that. Unfortunately, I do have to wear (laughs) slippers in my house because I've been falling down my stairs. So like I can't be barefoot all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the, the clumsiness and ADHD that's, that's been my whole life. (laughs) I had a, um, in my last apartment, like there was a, what is it called? Like the kitchen counter sort of jutted out and I would okay. I have wide hips and I, it was just the right angle. Like I would hit my hip on it every, like multiple times a day to the point where I had just like a, a permanent bruise on my hip. And one day it just the, the corner of the counter, the like hard counter like broke off like I hit it so many times with my hip that I actually broke the counter and I was like well that solves the problem um, <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's especially difficult with uh being in the new house because like I had finally learned the twists and turns and corners of the old place and then the new house is just a whole new thing for my body to learn and adjust to so I now have um crocs for inside because they're grippy and that's what I need. And they're also zebra print because I'm a zebra. So, oh, is that your animal? <laughs> well, no, that's uh, an EDS thing. Oh, it so, is. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, so the, uh, there's a saying that a lot of doctors learn in med school, which is when you hear hoof prints, think horses, not zebras. Um, but for EDS, it's a zebra. It's not a horse. It's a rare disease. It's not something that you expect. That's so, so. funny because being in the ADHD community, everyone I know has EDS. Um, so the idea that it would be rare is insane because what half yeah. my clients have this, uh, my roommate's partner has it, um, because you know, we stay with our kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, because I I had known very few people who also had it like out in neurotypical world. And since joining the ADHD community, like getting that diagnosis, I found, I mean, half of the people I know at least have some form of hypermobility, like at least half. (laughs) So yeah, it's crazy how we find each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is like so healing too, when you talk about executive dysfunction, even like my clients who have made the biggest progress, this like life-changing turnaround um, are the ones that really got rid of the shame and then really uh, found their community, you know, found Mm -hmm. other part of getting rid of that shame is to actually be around other people who are like you and understand, and you can see yourself in them and be like, wait, I don't think that they're lazy pieces of crap. <laughs> so like, I guess I'm not a lazy yes. piece of crap. You know? It's really important. And like, I mean, that that in itself, if I have clients who couldn't feed themselves, couldn't shower, couldn't get their teeth brushed in the morning, dealing with just getting diagnosed, letting go of that shame, getting into ADHD uh, communities, and then making ADHD friends 
suddenly, hey, I took a shower four times this week. Hey, yeah. I've eaten breakfast five out of seven days, you know, like, da, 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 da. like I don't even have trouble brushing my teeth anymore. So all, all of a sudden, you know, yeah. um, and that's how much that shame and isolation and, you know, depression and all of that, like, you know, you can have executive dysfunction issues just from depression. Um, yeah. when it, uh, and so if you have ADHD and you feel bad about yourself, you feel flawed, you feel the, you feel alone, you feel shame, you feel like there's something wrong with you. You just need to try harder. Um, Ugh, and like, I hate it too. I hate it so and much. I, it, the saddest part is I have clients come to me and they go, well, I think I need some help, but really, I think I just need to try harder. I think I could do this if I tried harder. And I'm like, bro, you are 48. Like you've been, you've tried as hard as you, you're, you, we, we got to try something else. Like, like, you know, work smarter, not harder or whatever that is like. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but that, that makes, seems to just make such an incredible difference, um, in people's lives. And so that's the first thing that I, um, you know, we talk about self-talk, we talk about shame, we talk about, um, all of those things, but I just encourage them, find your people because if you don't have ADHD friends, like you're missing out on, um, on so much, so much joy. We're so fun. Like why why would you not hang out with other ADHDers, right? That's Um, one of the things I'm so excited about for our webinar next weekend is the community aspect that we've built in. Like, I love the amount of breakout rooms and opportunities for people to connect and like the way that we have it structured, it's going to give you an opportunity to kind of connect with more people, um, yeah. each day. So I'm really excited about that. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I just did my task initiation class yesterday. I ran one of those and that, that every time I run a class, that's what everybody says. The meaningful, the best part is just getting to share stories. And, you know, they had, there was a group that had the conversation about hygiene and like, oh my God, people, I have, you know, I've had so much shame about not being able to shower. I've had so much shame about not brushing my teeth, you know, enough. And so da, 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 and like, then, you know, five people go, yeah, me too, me too, me too. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> you know, like, this it's thing. not it's just me. Excited. Yeah. And then people yeah. get so excited and this worked for me and this hasn't worked for me. And oh, what about this? And I mean, I have information, we have information that we can bring, but also every ADHD has found their own coping strategies because we're all individuals. We're all different. Yeah. Um, you know, the more um, of that, the better. And like one of the best things in my classes, I uh, have people typing things into the chat because ADHDers, we don't, we're not great at holding back our questions, right? So yep. like you just, you can put <laughs> questions and comments in the chat and just roll with it, you know, as I'm going. And at the end, I, you know, paste that into a document to share with everybody. And I think we could do that in our class, right? Like, I think yeah. that's a good move. And like that, like someone was like, this chat is a gold mine. It's just like everybody's experiences and tips and tricks and little things. And so, um, yeah, I think that that part is really amazing. I yeah. Really- and because body doubling is so important, like I, people in my classes have been gotten together and been like, oh, you're working on organizing your art studio. I'm working on organizing my art studio. Let's body double. Let's, you know, we can do this over Zoom and da 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 and stuff like that. So I yeah, think yeah. And that's, um, it, it's funny because my, my small group, you know, there's one or two people who definitely could graduate out of it. Like they feel like they've gotten enough of the resource out of it, but they just love the community in it. Um, And I, I do too. Like, I'm so excited to show up every Monday and like talk to this group of women. Um, You know, it's just, it's so important to have that to lean on and turn to. Um, And yeah, I, just like you were saying with the task initiation, like I'm doing the same thing with my perfectionism course coming up, you know, that, uh, I'm hoping that we don't get stuck on saying our, our flaws to, you know, worry about the perfectionism coming out in that way. Like, oh, this isn't, this is the perfectionism coming through again here. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I, uh, I, the community is really, really important and helpful and we work really well together when we allow ourselves to be together. So and that's how the fidgeteers was born, you know, right. <laughs> Two ADHDers got together. I think it's so funny because I've had my business for almost two years, maybe more than two years. I have no concept of time, but I've had my business for a while and I still don't 
really have like a brand. I don't have like a color. I mean, I'm coming up with a color scheme and stuff now, um, but I hadn't done that. And the Fidgeteers, we got together one day and that one day had like a color scheme, a logo, a Facebook, like just got it all, like just busted it out. I'm like, dude, I need like a business partner or something. <laughs> like, so I have an assistant, but I can only afford her for a couple hours a week. You know, like uh, it's, it's so much easier to get things done when you have uh, someone else there and we just bounce off of each other. You know, it's so, so much better. Yeah. And the fact too, that, you know, the different areas that we feel we're stronger in yeah. with talking about different executive functions, you know, we, we were going through the eight and, um, Sheila's like, Oh, I'll take this one. I'm like, Oh, and I'll take this one. And by the end of it, the ones that are more of our favorites to kind of discuss wound up, um, being the ones that we took and the one that the other person wasn't as, you know, yeah. not, not that we dislike discussing the other ones or yeah. don't feel like strong in them. It's just, everyone has a preference. Right. Talking about planning and organizing like is fine. It's part of my job. That's not the stuff that like gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, like the stuff that I get really excited to work on with people is the emotional regulation and task initiation and uh, flexible thinking can be fun too, but that's, you, you also have your perfectionism stuff. That's one I guess we share, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, it's cool that we have different uh, favorites. To yeah. do. Well, and I, even with my organizing, like I always start when I talk about it, you know, either in one-on-one -on -one or, you know, uh, as I translate it into a class this fall, um, I consider my organizing like unconventional because it has to be ADHD friendly. And unfortunately, even some of the organizing information that's out there for ADHDers is still shooting for neurotypical organization. Right. And so that's what like that section of my course has been developed on is just, this is for ADHDers. Like you've yes. got to be kind to yourself. It doesn't have to be perfect. And that's where learning about the perfectionism first before organizing is super helpful because that's just going to battle you the whole time. If you're trying to just accept that this is what I need instead of what looks prettiest. Right. Totally. And I think, yeah, we had a little, like a fun one, a, a good example of that, I guess, in my task initiation class yesterday was like, um, we were talking about putting away laundry and how that's just tends to be the bane of the ADHDers existence, which is funny because for me, that's not the worst chore. Anything to do with food is my least favorite. But anyway, so like, um, but I like, oh, I don't fold my clothes, right? I roll them sort of, and then mm -hmm. put them so they're not like a complete mess. And if I'm in a, in a bad mood or I'm tired, I will just throw them in the drawer and deal with it later. You know what I mean? Um, and one of the things I, you know, people were like, oh, but the wrinkles and like, for me, I work from home. It's not a big deal. If my clothes are a little wrinkled, they don't, I don't have like fancy clothes that get wrinkled or whatever. Um, but for other people, I was like, you know, at hotels, they have those little handheld steamers. Yeah, you can just literally just throw all of your clothes in your drawers in a pile, and then before you put it on, just steam it. it takes ten seconds, you know. Like for yeah. some people, that's easier. Like it's actually easier to steam your clothes every morning than it would be to fold all of your clothes and put them away. Just because that's the thing with ADHD, different things are easy for us. Like yeah. something that might be really easy for somebody else could be the hardest thing we have to do during the day. And then something that might be super hard for someone else, like starting a business. Like I was like, oh, I'm just going to do that now. Yeah. Not, not, even, <laughs> not even a problem. Right. Um, and so like, I think that's something that's interesting about us. And I, I hear that a lot, especially like toothbrushing, like it doesn't take that much effort to just brush your teeth. It's like, no, it doesn't take that much effort for you to brush your teeth. Like it takes a completely different amount of effort for everybody. Teeth brushing is not, has not been an issue for me. It is for a lot of my clients, mm -hmm. something that is an issue for me is like <laughs> throwing out bad food, but other people are like, that's gross. Of course, I'm going to throw it out. What's the problem? And I, but I'm like, shame about wasting food. Like smells are going to make me nauseous. Looking at the food like skeeves me out. Like, da, da, da. like I have all of these, these reasons where someone else might, that might be super easy for them. Right. Like I, for me, toothbrushing isn't a sensory, isn't negatively sensory uh, input or whatever, especially with an yeah. um, electric one, you know, uh, you don't really feel oh. the, I, can't, I, I don't like the chickies. <laughs> and I can't do, I can't do electric. There you see. So like people are so different. So that's the thing with ADHD is stop doing, trying to do what people say you should do mm -hmm. stop saying this should be easy 
recognize what your truth is. This is the reality of my life is that, you know, and then, and then work with that within that and just be okay with it. I have clients who bought, there's a little thing now that's like an, um, it's a manual, you put it in your mouth, like a little, like a mouth guard and it brushes your teeth in 15 seconds and then you take it out. Um, and so if you, you know, okay, do that. I have clients that are like, I I cannot, you know, get in the shower. I just, it's like, okay, we're going to get some baby wipes, do your crevasses. And, you know, let's see if you can take a shower once a month and every, you know, every couple of days you're, you're wiping yourself down. Like, okay, you're clean. It's fine. Like the the goal is done. You're not going to become ill or get an infection or whatever. Like that's what we need to worry about. Right. We don't need to worry about what you should be doing. Quote unquote. Yeah. And I've had clients who are really worried about, you know, oh, well, like, what if I, I get into the pattern of doing the thing, but I get into the pattern doing it the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing it. Like that's right. the first step, yes. you know, right now, if you're not brushing your teeth at all, and then you start brushing your teeth and you're focused just on the right side, well, at least the right side of your mouth is getting brushed. 100%. And actually this is something I have a hard time brushing my teeth for a full minute because mm-hmm. I get bored and antsy. Um, and I know a lot of people will like put on music. There's like a lot of things you can do. But for me, uh, the way that I sort of rectify that is I brush my teeth like three or four times a day instead of two. Um, and I, I've done that my whole life, like adult life, where I just like after every meal brush my teeth. Um, and I probably brush for 20 seconds, and like, but I just do that, you know, continuously and I floss and I, you know, I go to the dentist, they tell me that they look good. I never have complaints. So, yeah. um, like I, that's the way that works for me. Um, I forgot that that was even weird until this moment. I was like, oh yeah, most people do two long brushes a day or whatever, but like, I like to do, um, multiple little short ones partially too, yeah. because I, um, the Vyvanse gives me the dry mouth and, um, <clears throat> So I don't like the taste in my mouth. So having like brushing my teeth multiple times a day uh, does that double duty too. Um, so yeah, it's not the way that most people do it. It's not the way that that's dentist recommended or whatever, but like works just fine. There's yeah. no, no reason to change it, you know? And that's, that's the whole point is finding what works for you. And, you know, we as coaches can help you learn different things, but then it's about applying them the way that you need to. You know, we could give the skills and strategies all day, but at the end of the day, ball is in your court as to what's going to be the most effective. Yeah. And not blaming yourself for things that aren't working. Yeah. Your fault. If this strategy doesn't work for you, it just means you need a different strategy. Like with you. So I hear that with like body doubling, like body doubling doesn't work for me. I can't work when someone's around. What's wrong with me? Like nothing's wrong with you. That's just not your tool. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) That's totally fine. And it's okay if it works for one area and not another, like certain things, body doubling is very helpful for me for other things. No, I need to be by myself and I need to just get it done. Like, especially when like working on the slides for the webinar, like I, I can do body doubling if it's with someone else on the other end of zoom and they're not talking to me, Yeah. but you know, if I have someone else in the room while I really am trying to focus it, it's just a distraction. It's not going to get done. Right. But if my partner and I are both tackling different parts of the downstairs to clean up, like I work so much faster and harder. Yes. So some people body doubling works with just someone in the room, but -hmm. with other people, that person needs to be doing something because they're like calm energy can like suck you into it or, or annoy you. Like I know, like we we were talking, like going back to when we were talking about the, like um, emotional dysregulation when your stuff was around and your dad would get mad about your clutter, but not his yeah. own. And like, that is something that's, you know, a, a, like really important about us being, um, self-aware because I feel like that too. Like in my house, like I have clutter around the house, but if I see my partner's clutter or my roommate's clutter, then I'm like, oh, and I like, <laughs> I get like annoyed. And every time I'm like, Sheila, you have like five things. And, and it, for some reason it's easier for me to clean up their stuff than mine too. Like mm-hmm. I'll clean up all their clutter and be slightly annoyed about it. And then I have to talk to myself and be like, why are you annoyed about this? And I'm like, I don't know. It's my mom or something in my head, you know, <laughs> like this must be what this is. Um, and, and sometimes if I'm cleaning or like working on something and my partner's just sitting there, even if he worked on, he could have done chores for six hours and I'm just starting, but now he's sitting down and I'm like annoyed. I'm like, how come I'm moving and you're not, you know, like that yep. sort of thing will happen. That uh, fairness. Yeah. That's gotta be so fair. Weird. 
And I know it's silly. Like I'm like, because I have that self-awareness, but I also know, like, I remember growing up and if my dad was doing stuff and we were watching TV, even if we'd, our homework was done, our rooms are clean, everything's fine. He's like, come on, you just get up and do something. Come on. And I'm just like, yeah, like, and I could tell, I'm like, you just want us to suffer with you right now. (laughs) Yeah. No awareness. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um, but for some people, body doubling only, my point was for some people, body doubling only works if the other person is also like in a work mode, not necessarily yeah. the same thing, but like if you're working on your slides and your partner's sweeping, like, okay, we're both in work mode, you know, that can help or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that could be another good episode, us talking about fairness and how that plays yeah. in ADHD. Um, but for today, uh, we're, we're getting towards the end of time here. <laughs> I don't want to lose the the ADHDers listening. Um, yeah. Although I know we could talk forever about all of these different impacts of executive dysfunction in our lives. And good news is, if you want to hear more about that, we do have our webinar coming up uh, August sixth through eighth. You can sign up on either of our websites. Um, Mine is theadhdlady.org. Sheila's is sheilahenson.com. And then of course you can find the Fidgeteers on Facebook. And I highly recommend you do that because we're going to be having um, a repeat of the executive function webinar at some point in the future. Um, But then also are hoping to do a recorded option as well um, for you guys to, to have access to, you know, at your leisure. Um, and the other fun stuff that we're, we're going to have planned over the next year will be posted there too. So this isn't, this isn't the last one that we're doing. It's going well, this partnership. So definitely pay attention to that Facebook page and you can sign up for the event on there as well. Um, but, uh, thank you so much for, for this time chatting today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a delight. Yes, it was. Kitten in my lap has had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to the listeners today for joining us. Uh, Those of you who have stuck around, the coupon code that can be used on both my website and Sheila's to sign up for the webinar this weekend is FRIENDS. The code is FRIENDS. So that will actually get you 50% off of our executive dysfunction webinar for the weekend of August 6th through 8th. Special little thing for you guys here who have stuck around. Uh, Appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys listening to the podcast and for joining with us today. Again, as I always say at the end of my podcast, if you have any additional questions or looking for more information, please check out my website, theadhdlady.org. The webinar can be found there under webinars and classes as well. And that's where you can use uh, the coupon code too. But thank you all so much for joining in to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, signing off.